You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Your Dose of Death Podcast. My name is Lauren Rosenberg, and thank you for each and every week for giving me your wonderful ears to listen to the fantastic dose of death. And of course, I first want to give a big shout to my sponsors, Grateful Deathmatch. Of course, the fantastic guys and gals at Grateful Deathmatch are working on your next big wrestling gear for your closest wrestling event. And of course, when you hit that checkout line, make sure you put in that code DEATH for free shipping across these United States. And of course, I want to give a big shout out to Crimson Mask. Of course, Crimson Mask has some fantastic gear, of course, aligned with my other sponsor, Grateful Deathmatch, for Through the Fire and Flames. And if you put in a checkout code of YDOD, you get 10% off that fantastic exploding barbed wire goodness. And of course, they wanted to let me know that to promote their social media. So of course, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, Facebook is a Crimson official Crimson Mask. Their Instagram is official Crimson Mask underscore. And of course, their Twitter is Crimson Mask NYC. Go hit up the guys at official Crimson Mask.bigcartel.com. So, you guys are wondering who I have on this week. I have someone on who has kind of become one of the voices of the violence over these past few years. Of course, the GCW. And of course, with the Underground Wrestling Alliance. And he is one of Cali's finest people I know. Ladies and gentlemen, this week, I am proud to have the OG himself, Kevin Gale. How the hell are you doing, OG? What up, though? How are you today, man? I'm doing great. Another day, another dollar. You know what they say. Hell yeah, man. If it don't make dollars, then it don't make sense. Okay, Ken Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> Respect to Ken Broadway. Yeah, really. Um, so thank you again for taking the time out of your day to do this. As I see your wonderful wall of if I know this isn't going to be on video, but I, I, I always love to admire your wonderful wall of memorabilia, as I see. Yeah, this is one of uh, two of my interview backdrops that I have here at my oh. place, so to speak, like a place I could do one in front of. I was going to do it in front of my GCW wall, but it didn't work out today. So and you get the, the wall of fame. <laughs> yeah, I see some fantastic signatures, like the Judge Judy to my top right, which is <laughs> which is the real show stealer here. Judge Judy and Ice T. Oh yeah, Ice T. Yeah, I see Ice T as well. Holy shit! But um, <laughs> I just want to thank you again because um, you're one of those people who many people are um talking about. You're very relaxing as well as homey commentary does not go unnoticed and you've been really a voice of the violence over these last few years with game changer wrestling and of course with your other promotion the underground wrestling alliance or to many as ugwa um you really have your hands like in a lot of different baskets as i see um what's the idea behind that to really put it out there for my listeners well i just i love wrestling and i love i love doing wrestling commentary and uh um, I'm trying to think of which place I started working at first, if it was UGWA or GCW. It's got to be around similar times, but that I would have to, I would have to refer to a historian. <laughs> yeah, I, 
I, uh, I worked a lot in the California independence and, and other places. So I had worked uh, in California for places like uh, all pro wrestling and gold rush pro wrestling and West coast pro wrestling. And uh, that led to getting uh, other opportunities. So Ugwa had wanted to work with me and it was around the time that they were going to step up their production and go into running at this cool nightclub called the Ritz. So uh, that was kind of, that was my foot in the door with Ugwa was they, they were aware of my work and wanted to work with me, which I, which is an honor and their product and production is so unique. It was just like a home run. And uh, for GCW it was just, I, uh, I recognized the greatness in GCW, I guess before, I mean, a lot of people knew then, but a lot more people know now, but I was aware of them even a little bit from the earlier incarnation when they were uh, like Jersey championship wrestling, you uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah. Cause they, they were always making noise uh, in different ways. And then when they announced uh, spring break, uh, the first time I know a lot of people thought they were crazy running a midnight show, but <laughs> I, I thought it was genius right off the, right off the rip and just w- what they advertised. And I got to do, uh, that was my first match calling a match for game changer wrestling was I got to call a match at spring, the first spring break. Oh, wow. And, th- and then I kept up that tradition where I at least called one match on every spring break. But then over time I got to do more and more commentary with game changer. And that's like now my main, my main gig in wrestling, which I'm really grateful. And it allows me to get involved in other stuff, like giving back to the wrestlers, like working uh, behind the scenes on things like fight forever uh, and stuff like that, because obviously a lot of people um, need additional help and support right now. You know what I'm saying? Across all different, you know, the music industry and venues and bars and restaurants and everybody, but wrestlers need it too. And there's not really anyone that's out there doing that for wrestlers. So I applaud Brett. Uh, for doing that and uh, i'm grateful that i could play a small part in helping to make that happen you know what i mean yeah exactly and shout out to brett lauderdale the fine man behind the plan with gcw of course um and speaking of gcw as we're recording this and it'll be going out tuesday next tuesday doing a little bit of a gcw preview of course take care is coming up March 6th, a jam-packed weekend of no barbed wire fuckery, for sure. Um, what are your thoughts on the Jimmy Lloyd-G. Raver no-rope barbed wire match? Well, right off the bat, my first thought is, maybe he forget. But then to get more deep than that, my thought is that G. Raver is a fucking madman. Like, the dude is insane. And then you take away something that he loves, and then then what do you have left? Well, you take away two things that he loves. And and then you have this shell of a man who's just angry and violent. And then you have Jimmy who can seemingly seemingly absorb all this pain and whatever and just kind of shrug it off and go drink a couple of Red Bulls and a couple of fast food hamburgers or whatever. <laughs> but uh, so in a way, like the violence between them keeps escalating. You know, we saw G. Raver set Jimmy on fire to start it yeah. off. Uh, there's been a lot of violence and injury in their past, and I'm I'm concerned about what what might happen in Atlantic City, New Jersey, on March 6th. You know what I mean? Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Raver has, since his return to the independent wrestling scene, has been nothing short of violent, to say the least. And his pursuit of Jimmy Lloyd is really something to witness. And I, I definitely will say I definitely almost shrieked in terror at the scissor board because of considering their history with scissors. I know you seeing that up in person was something, but as a fan, 
it was slightly terrifying. Um, yeah, I've had I've had enough experiences just seeing the scissor boards, scissors, and also the knife boards and stuff, and what happens. And yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. I don't need to ever be near that shit. And uh, <laughs> those guys are are crazy, brave, crazy, stupid, crazy, pain tolerant, crazy, uh, dedicated to wrestling to do to do what they do because you know what I'm saying. If I had got to work one day and it said on the paper like, oh hey, today you're going to get uh, all these things stuck in your face and then you're going to get this and this and this, I would be like, I have to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And of course, um, going into the other marquee match that I think many people, and I mean many people are looking forward to, the um, what I'm assuming will be another death match on the cards. No flinch, Nolan Edwards makes his, Edward, I should say, Nolan Edwards. That's right. I know. I, you I can make the say. internet lose the, the entire internet and shit, <laughs> shit their pants if you hey, say that, they, if you they, put they, an S on his name. He, he has gotten a very nice support, but Nolan Edward making his Atlantic City debut against none other than Alex Cologne in what is sure to be a nice little welcome introduction into the GCW ultraviolet life. 100%, and Nolan Edward has generated quite a buzz for himself. He's been making a name for himself. Uh, getting to appear in Bloodsport, and I think who he appeared, you know, who who he was picked by, who he got to appear alongside of, helped establish Nolan Edward on another level. But you want to talk about another level? The uh, the mastermind behind uh, the upcoming GCW's Planet Death yep. uh, coming up WrestleMania weekend. It's Alex Cologne. You know what I mean? The man Nick Age called the best deathmatch wrestler in the world today, and. Uh, I mean, what can you say? You know what I mean? Like, again, Nolan Edward, all the respect in the world. He has all the buzz. He has all the tools. He has everything going for him. But hello, Alex fucking Cologne. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Alex fucking Cologne. And maybe I've got to witness more of what Alex Cologne does in person than uh, Mr. Edward. But uh, based on what I've seen and what I know and the tapes I've studied and et cetera, Nolan Edward better bring his fucking A game because Alex Cologne is, always brings his A game. You know, a true king of the death match. Yeah, really. And I think <laughs> what's interesting is really the trajectory of Nolan Edward in GCW. Of course, the first appearing at Jimmy Lloyd's up all night against Wheeler Yuta in a very technical, technically sound match. And of course, the two blood sports. Now, this is only his fourth match in GCW. And he's he's being given really the deathmatch. I don't even want to call it gatekeeper, the deathmatch god. Right sure. now, that division, really, in Alex, and it's it's going to be a collision course come March six. And if I, I, I was telling people, I'm not sure if he's going to be on this card. I didn't think anything of it after <laughs> my conversation with him. But lo and behold, we're sitting here talking about a potential match of the year candidate. And Nolan Edward and Alex Cologne. Amen. And it's like you said, a trial by fire, a baptism by blood. Uh, we'll see what Nolan Edward is truly, truly made of beneath the buzz and beneath uh, what the surface shows. You know, we'll see uh, just if he's ready to go. Because if you're if you're ready to go with Alex Cologne, Alex will take it to another level. And I look forward to seeing Nolan, Nolan Edward show and prove what he's made of. And uh, I look forward to if uh, history being a good indicator. 
Uh, my money's on Alex Cologne because I think Alex Cologne is unstoppable right now. And his anger and his violence level is only increasing. Like he's getting a darker and darker view on things and it's making him more and more violent. That's my two cents. Yeah. Especially with that pursuit of Ricky Shane page and the GCW title that is fueling the fire even more. So he has been unstoppable since really these last few years, you're seeing the best Alex Cologne. He, he told me in, in the, his ep- our episode that he doesn't have much time left but if any indicator showing it doesn't feel like he isn't saying that he doesn't have much time left he's going to give it 110 percent and if that means going through younger talent like Atticus Coger or Nolan Edward and hopefully sooner rather than later Ricky Shane Page we're still seeing the best of Alex Cologne today Amen. Yeah, this is the time. This is the place. And Alex Cologne is one of those featured, like, main event players that's just helping carry uh, the pandemic era of wrestling on his back, truly. To me, he's one one of the cornerstones, like one of those guys that's always, you know, it reminds me there's the old classic uh, ECW shirt where, what was it? It was like Dreamer, Sandman, New Jack, and was it Taz or something? It had like four of them Maybe. on the... I think it might have been Taz. You know what I mean? It was like four cornerstone guys that yeah. were like, you know, leading the charge. And I, I think of Alex Cologne in, in that light, like he's one of those cornerstone guys. And um, I think it also adds to his allure that he's not overexposed. Like Alex Cologne isn't wrestling on every show that's having a show within 10,000 miles or whatever. He's selective on where he appears. And when he appears, he brings the, brings the violence and the bloodshed like like nobody. That's interesting you say that, considering, I mean, GCW has its ever-fluctuating roster of talent. And kind of speaking of cornerstones of GCW, we got to preview one last match here. The title versus spring break. Of course, I'm talking about Joey Janela putting his spring break reputation on the line against Ricky Shane Page, that little scumbag from Ohio. What are your thoughts on that one? Man, uh, I know Joey is very confident, and uh, he has a right to be. I know also that Joey, uh, on occasion, speculation has it, may be known to be abbreviated and talking hellified shit on the internet. Maybe, maybe <laughs> not. But uh, in a case like with someone as unscrupulous unscrup- as Ricky Shane Page or, you know, what a scumbag piece of shit that he is and his entire posse of, like, fucking little turd bowls, you know what I'm saying? Just little, yeah. little like, crack vials of just pure shit but um <laughs> hermetically sealed but i digress <laughs> because anytime you're putting anything on the line and i know joey wants to bring the belt home and go into spring break the champion and uh i applaud him in his efforts to stop ricky Champ- ricky shane page's ongoing campaign of fucking like shut the fuck up you piece of shit if i could just call it that um but I, I just worry because there's a lot on the line. You know what I mean? So like title versus spring break, it's like it's a nail biter. You know what I'm saying? Like because Ricky Shane Page isn't someone who uh, has a history of playing fair or playing by the by the rules or anything else. So I would hope Joey has some some backup. Yeah, I sure hope Joey has some backup, even if he's stated that if 440 were to come out, that RSP would potentially relinquish the title to Janela, but that's easier said than done in the ways of everything that's going on. I mean, this is, this is really the ultimate 
what could possibly happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I hope that Joey wins. I want to see spring back happen. And of course we all do, but there's always in the back of your mind. What if that scumbaggery RSP decides to get one up on Joey and Joey's left without spring break Four spring breaks, just gone to the wayside. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot to, uh, it's a lot to think about and anything to do with Ricky Shane page and, Gregory Irons and that whole squad, Atticus, mm. they're all just repugnant. You know what I mean? I'd yeah. rather speak about something more prominent. So at <laughs> the end of the day, I'd like everyone right now to close their eyes for five seconds and envision a triumphant Joey Janela hoisting a white claw in his left hand and the GCW heavyweight championship in his right hand. Right? One in the left, one in the right, raising them triumphantly yeah. over his head, celebrating <laughs> Saturday, March 6th, after the match, as the show goes off the air, and Ricky Shane Page is swept into like a giant dustpan and then put into like a dumpster. I think that's a very poetic way of putting it, really. That's that's what I think we all hope for. I think I think Joey really is the perfect ambassador to GCW. He has been for the four or five years it's been around and there's not a better person I would think of than Joey Janela to be winning the GCW title, but they got it's it's we gotta make sure we all watch March sixth to see where the drama unfolds. So I wanted to really talk to you about um, with Deathmatch Wrestling what what are things you enjoy about it and what are things you don't enjoy about it, especially from a commentator's standpoint. Well, I mean, from a commentator standpoint, I it's I love it. It's incredible. I don't think I have any uh, anything against it from a commentator standpoint, except when I can't see because then I can't um, I can't commentate it. But uh, I don't know. I, uh, as a fan, sometimes like I just I of course you always worry if uh, guys are going to go too far or, or get injured or you know at what cost uh, things like that. But overall, it's just as a form of wrestling, just like there's genres of music, you know what I mean? There's like hardcore and punk rock music are extreme forms of music and deathmatch wrestling is an extreme form of wrestling. And I, I think it's amazing. And I mean, I I've seen a lot of great cards that are all, you know, all deathmatch or heavy in that yeah. realm. But mm-hmm. I also love like, to me, that classic, the classic ECW formula or the modern GCW formula where you have, you're going to have some incredible matches with like a death match feel. You're going to have some incredible uh, high flying. You're going to have some incredible, you know, like just big dudes brawling. Like you just yeah. get a show, like in the show, there's all these things. And, and that's something I, I really appreciate. So especially when I think when death matches are seen in that context, it's even more holy shit because you see some wrestling, then you see a death match and you're like, holy fuck. And it, I think it stands out even more that way. Sometimes you can become desensitized or whatever if you sit and watch eight of them in a row. But however, to be said, there's been some great tournaments and other, obviously, uh, all deathmatch-themed events that are incredible. Yeah. So it really just depends. But I love I love them, and I love them whether they're uh, the entire event or moments on the event or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, aside from, as a commentator, they're, they're insane to hold because it's like you literally I never have to pretend to be excited or terrified or whatever because those guys just go so fucking hard it's it's 
it's ridiculous, you know, and we've all seen um deathmatch wrestlers that are that where deathmatch is something that they do because they're not a fully uh formed wrestler or a fully developed wrestler. Uh-huh. But then you see these wrestlers, these world-class deathmatch wrestlers, you know, the Alex Colones, the Schlacks, the Nick Gages, and you know, you can go on and on and on. There's a lot of names, but they bring something to the table that's so larger than life and so dangerous and so over the top that they're they're like the you know it's the equivalent of you could go to madison square garden and see some mainstream corporate act or back in the day you can go to cbgb's and see some grimy real shit this is the grimy real shit the realest (laughs) boss only the craziest people do it only the craziest people like it it's a unique um subgenre of a unique genre and I, I applaud it. I, I think it's fucking incredible. You know what I mean? And the, the devotion that the fans have to it is incredible. And it's because of that devotion. For several years, to me, it felt like death matches were overall in terms of viability and visibility in the United States were kind of at a lower point. Yeah. And they've been brought back up and brought back up. And um, the fan, you know, there's promoters that obviously put their money down to make it happen. But you have to just pull the camera back a little further and realize it's the fans being willing to pay for those tickets, to buy those DVDs, to support those events. It's those fans being willing to do that that keeps that market and that genre growing because, you know, there's a lot of places that have run deathmatch tournaments in, in like these rural type areas and they yeah. don't draw they don't draw anyone and they don't make any money. And then, you know what I'm saying? That's a trickle-down effect. Like their m- money needs to come in and come through, pay the wrestlers, pay for production. Yeah. Hey, pay the fucking promoter. If the promoter puts down their money to make this whole shit happen, let the promoter get paid. Whoever needs to get paid, let them all make money and let everyone be happy, the venue, the bar, and then come back in 30, 60, 90, 120 days, do it again. You know what I mean? I think that's fantastic that you're bringing that up because I think it's, it, the, I've always said this, especially not just my podcast, but other podcasts, other forms of media, fans are the lifeblood. They are the lifeblood of wrestling, of music, everything. Like, if more people listen to the fans, it just would be a more positive environment. I mean, yes, you have your interesting characters here and there, but especially in the sense that we're talking with wrestling, the fans are really the lifeblood of what makes this operation work. Yeah, uh, absolutely, because it's, you know what I mean, it, it's, we said in the beginning, joking around, if it don't make dollars, then it don't make sense, but, you know, if you look at some of these shows, and you can sit and do the math, how many of these people have to fly in, how much is a plane ticket, how many hotel rooms are there, how do they get to them from the airport, how much is the building, how much, on and on and on, so, and, you know, you think of everyone else, there's a lot of people, there's nothing wrong with being a fan, being a fan, as we're talking about, is one of the most important things. Mm-hmm. But imagine being so much of a fan that then you spend thousands of dollars to get some amazing camera so you can shoot uh, still photos or, or shoot video at events oh, yeah. and you become such a fan that you start promoting events, you know what I mean? Or you start a company that pays wrestlers to make merchandise or whatever it might be. Like your fandom can take you anywhere from any level and there's nothing wrong with any of them it can be a great escape and something you enjoy and support that's fucking wonderful if it makes you want to get more involved in it in terms of like contributing to the art form so to speak and to help you know as you know chairs got to get set up someone's always got to get driven to the airport yeah, you know what i mean i agree and uh, i i just think it's wonderful that it's 
it reminds me of the hardcore music scene and the DIY scene in that if you're really trying to do it and you really just want to help, it's not that hard to help. You know what I mean? And from that, that helping, contributing, supporting from any of those things, relationships, friendships, opportunities, all these things can happen, but it all starts with that positive motion of that support of that presence of being there of, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You're almost speaking about me in a sense. Cause I mean, I'm always a fan first. I will always say that I'm always a fan first and being a fan and being the positive fan that I am, I've portrayed myself to be, it turned this, it turned into this podcast. This is like my little passion project as I like to tell everybody. And it, I, I'd love to just preach that to the choir. I almost make it a sound bit, you know, the whole nine yards because really your fandom can turn this into something. I think you've said it perfectly a hundred percent that being a, a independent wrestling fan, being an independent musician or it, anything, it, it can take you as far as you can go. You just got to put the positive mindset to it. So I want to transition. I mean, you've seen a lot of ultra violence in your career. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no mincing words on that. What would you, to a fan from one fan to another, what are some of the ultra violent matches you've seen in your lifetime that you'd be like, you need to watch this. You need to watch this now. Um, one of my favorite matches in that genre that always comes to mind. And also it's because I've just watched it a lot too, is uh shellac versus Abdullah Kobayashi oh. for, for GCW in yeah, Tokyo. I've seen it. Fantastic. And, uh, uh, this photographer named Hanka was there. An American photographer was there shooting, and he got this amazing, like, wide-angle shot of you just see, you know, there's Schlack and Abdullah just fighting in the middle of the aisle. They're all bloody and torn up. You see all the fans, like, all their faces as they're all trying <laughs> to, like, you know, react and get away and yeah. move away. And then you see me, like, just yelling into a microphone. Like, <laughs> all of us are in the same little area so if you look in this big wide shot it's one yeah, of my favorite pictures i think i've seen that photo somewhere and i was like this is amazing but yes that's an absolutely great match of course but that match was just so sick and those guys are two of my favorite deathmatch wrestlers and seeing them just there in that moment in japan in the, the shinkiba first ring and with the response and everything it just felt like it just felt magical you know what i mean like something really special um uh that makes me want to jump related almost is uh the first time i ever met schlack was the day that he wrestled marcus crane in la for gcw oh man well what show was that and i'm trying to remember it was in that it was in that weird warehouse that had like the the jet ski and the (laughs) you know what i mean it was like a really weird it was like a one-off place and the suburban fight happened afterwards. Okay, was it the LA Confidential show? No, it wasn't the LA Confidential. No, I can't Joey's. remember. But I think yeah. I know. I kind of know what you're talking about. But I, I, I do know that suburban fight would always do shows after GCW on the piggyback. Yeah, but it was Marcus Crane versus Schlack, and it was the first time I met Schlack. Oh wow! And I never knew. You know what I mean? I had just seen photos of Schlack or seen matches of Schlack, and you hear stories, and you never know how people are going to be so i was a little bit like you know just prepared for like all right yeah. this guy slack is probably like a fucking 
super weirdo you know what i mean i'll just try to limit <laughs> limit my uh interaction or whatever but he was just a super a super great dude from the moment i met him uh to this day and i always remember because uh the finish of the match was uh now i forget if he i think it was done to him uh i don't okay. think he did it to marcus but it involved a syringe full of jack daniels being injected i want to oh. say in the slack oh my god just to to put him unconscious <laughs> and uh lest anyone lest anyone think that uh they don't use real jack daniels like literally uh i i i met slack because i put the jack daniels in the syringe <laughs> <laughs> that's how i met him because yeah you know what i'm saying if you're holding the syringe you can't yeah. screw the cap and vice yeah versa. of so, course oh uh, we worked together as a team and i was like oh the slack guy's all right you know because then <laughs> Since we're telling stories, we did that. And he's like, oh, thank you, man. Thank you. We, intru we introduced ourselves. And then he's like, hey, since we got this bottle of Jack open, you know, we should do the right thing. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he just gets out two little cups and pours a seat <laughs> shot of Jack Daniels. And I was like, what oh, dude, so, yeah, what a guy. This guy made a, that's, it's called how to make an impression. Step one, can you help me put this Jack Daniels inside a syringe? Step two, <laughs> let us celebrate this arrangement. Let us celebrate the adding of Jack Daniels to syringe with the adding of Jack Daniels to shot glasses. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. I've not had the pleasure of meeting Schlack yet. I hope in my foreseeable future that happens. But the human, uh, He's like a, the human photo op. You know what yeah, I mean? that's he's, what everyone says. <laughs> that's what everybody says. I, I don't know if you heard the Wrestling Unicorns episode they did. They talked about a funny moment with Schlack. It was after the it was after the Manders match, New Year's. Okay. And Schlack just comes up behind them while like Martin's doing the camera. And like like he doesn't even notice this Martin. And he just looks around. It's just Schlack looking at his camera. And so Martin starts being a fanboy and Schlack's like, oh, you're making this awkward now. I gotta go. <laughs> and I was That's like, awesome. that is such a Schlack kind of thing. Um Aside from those two you mentioned with Abdullah Kobayashi and Schlack, who are some other guys in the deathmatch scene that catch your eye, per se? Oh, I mean, I love the the gods of it. Obviously, Nick Gage, one of the, the obviously the best to ever do it. I love yeah. any. It's been sucks having him out of in-ring action. It's been a great bonus having him with me on commentary. Fantastic commentator. Fantastic. He's just the best, and it's depending on his what level or what volume he's on internally, I either get to say about 60% of how much I normally do or like 30%. So it just, it just depends. But either way, I'm happy to be there for the ride. And uh, other, I mean, dude, I've seen, um, you know, the, the last few tournament of survivals, uh, the last few Nick Gage invitationals. Um, I was there the night that, that G Raver uh, was sent to the hospital and almost oh, died. Yeah. I was there the day Takeda was taken out of the Shinkiba first ring in a ambulance because of the, the, the knife boards, board. Yeah. And uh, man, like just so I was there when G Raver got knocked unconscious and taken out during the, um, I want to say that was the TOS in Atlantic city. About, oh, when he was taken out of the finals. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I... just KO'd. I mean, so many violent, moments and memories and just incredible and then of course so many incredible matches where no one was injured beyond the 
expected uh injuries you know what i mean uh another great one that i think maybe some people wouldn't think about right off the top because there's so many like sick death death match ones but i'm a big big fan and maybe it's because i had done commentary on a match and i was all super geeked and then i now i was in the audience drinking Mm -hmm. beer yeah but watching joey janela versus great sasuke on joey janela spring break two oh yeah from the crowd was new orleans right I believe it was, yeah. And they did the whole big sing-along at the end and everything. Yes. Oh, my goodness. It was so amazing in the room. Like, the the sound, you know, because it's like coming through like a booming sound system and just experiencing that whole match. And then that totally, like, what the fuck is happening ending made it even better. Yeah, that was, I, I have that match on Blu-ray. And I'll tell you that it's not as much per se a death match, but it's just one of those matches you have to witness. Just the sheer magnitude is just like Joey Janela always has an eye on the, the more, I don't want to say irrelevant because that's disrespectful, but I want to say like the more obscene wrestlers of our time. Sure. The Jinsei Shinzaki's, the great Sasuke's. I mean, he's wrestled some of the most obscene wrestlers ever and he makes them all look really good in the process. Yeah. I mean, they're all, they're, they're Titans of the mat and, uh, wrestlers that meant a lot to joey growing up and it's amazing to see them in some cases you know guys like sasuke have always been uh consistently working and having a lot of stuff happen but yeah guys like pco and stuff got you know their whole career was rejuvenated because of that yeah opportunity to work with joey you know what i mean that's a great yeah pco is another real testament to what GCW has been able to do, especially with these spring breaks, the match with Walter, I just watched a couple <laughs> weeks ago, where I felt horrible looking in my chest and watching that match because God forbid I would never take any of the chops from either of them. <laughs> yeah, those guys are hard, man. And look at look at what so many great things have happened for Walter and PCO since that day. And yeah, they're still both really. just as great as they were that day, you know? Pe- peak performance. That's what they say. Peak performance. Um, so I want to talk about another project of yours that doesn't get a lot of spotlight, but it's one that is on the medias is um your fantastic venture with Ron Funches. Oh yeah. Get high and watch wrestling. Hashtag GHWW every Monday night at 6.05 West Coast time. And on that Live Twitch. on Twitch. Um, yeah, it, it's been great. You know, Ron started it as uh, in the pre-COVID era. It was something him and Sean Waltman would do in like movie theaters and at yeah. StarCast and things like that. And then uh, now here we are. So Ron wanted to bring it back and do it digitally. Mm-hmm. And he was thinking he was thinking out loud one day, and then here here we are. Now we're on uh, we're I don't know we must be at like episode eleven or twelve or 11? something at wow. this point. Um, what was and, the whole premise with Get High Watch Wrestling? I mean, it just it just kind of came out of the blue, and it's like you have this really fun comedian, you have this really charismatic commentator. What can we do with it? Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. Like Ron has an agreement with uh, Independent Wrestling mm-hmm. TV. So he's able to play anything from their catalog. Oh, okay. And uh, he's also sponsored by Jonesy. But yes, the point is, is it's, a, it's an opportunity for people to just get high and watch wrestling, including the guests, the hosts, whatever. But for some people, getting high is having a soda or having a beer or having a water or having yeah. a fucking apple. So it's basically about like 
fuck the bullshit and uh, let's celebrate something that we love while in a relaxed and celebratory mind state. So whatever it is that gets you there, uh, more power to you. But it's a lot of fun. We go for like two hours. We show like a, a plethora of diverse matches, like top people from the indies, yeah. buzzworthy stuff, vintage stuff, deathmatch stuff. And like you said, you have a world-class comedian and uh, television and movie actor. And you have me, uh, the man Ron Funches calls the voice of independent wrestling. And uh, we have a thing. It's just, it's growing every week. And it's just, it's an honor to be a part of it. It's an honor for me that someone like Ron Funches, who was a guest on my podcast a few years ago, that just from having a cool experience with him and then getting to know him and, you know, you hang out with them here or there when you're all at an event or whatever. And just one day, suddenly it's the right moment. And it's like, oh, hey, KG, we should do this show. And it's fuck yeah man like i'm just so so honored but at the same time i was the person who i would support anything that he was doing like when he was doing get high and watch wrestling with sean waltman in movie theaters uh-huh. i kept trying to work it out to get down to la to go to one but it was hard because i would always end up having a show and i was like ah oh. okay. but I, I never got to go to it in person because to me i just love the concept because that's even like some Mystery Science Theater 3000 shit. You know what I mean? Nah, Mystery Science 3000. That's a, that's a great one right there. But I, I just want a dope show really is. Um it's just I just think it's a great idea. I mean, I I for one my podcast we are pro of the leafy greens. And of course, I think more and more of the country is starting to be progressive in that nature, especially with places like New Jersey where you'll be next weekend is officially legalized it recreationally and I, I just think i mean as you said like whatever gets you there it gets you there so i just i'm glad you brought i wanted to bring that up with you um so yeah and it's like the same okay. thing i mean it's the same thing as beer or whatever else you know what i mean it's just like whatever some people like you know you come to the shows like some people the shows are straight edge some people yeah. are super high some people have a bottle of like liquor in their pocket you have the full the full range, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, and I think that's really a great thing about GCW, but just independent wrestling crowds in general, a positive environment. That's what we're trying to aim for. And if that means you have a little something in the side, it means you have a little something on the side. Um, so I want to kind of wrap this up with just um, really like what – for you being in the independent wrestling scene as long as you've been what what are things that you feel need to be changed but what are things that you feel are the best redeeming factors of independent wrestling well i'll start with the best the best redeeming factors are the talent and the supportive fans like i think they make everything possible and worthwhile um a big honorable mention and shout out to technology, which of course makes it possible to do things like all these streaming events and yeah. allowing people um, who can't be there in person to buy a ticket. But it always comes down to supporting. Like if a fraction of as many people paid for the show as watched it through nefarious means, yeah. like suddenly the whole playing field could be leveled. You know what I mean? But People get mad if I talk about that, but uh, <laughs> the important thing is just supporting really. And uh, I don't know, 
I forgot that you set me up with a good question and then I took it somewhere and then I've yeah, lost I lost track of it. I now. just, no, that's all right. I, I, the first part of that was just like, what are things you feel need to change? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So the best part about it is, yeah, like I said, the, the fans and the talent because they make everything fucking amazing and possible. Yeah. Um, what needs to change? I think that's a really good question. Um, let me think for one second. Say, what would have to change about independent wrestling? The only thing I think I would change at this moment is maybe people erring on the side of support over complaining. Do you know what I mean? Like it yeah. seems we're at, a, we're at a stage in wrestling fandom and wrestling social media, wherever, where whatever you don't like becomes your identity. I'm the guy who's blocked by this person. I'm the guy who said this terrible thing. And to me, that's not really cool or something. That's not a badge of honor. That's not a badge yeah. of honor. So to me, I just think, of course, and there are valid things to uh, be upset about in the world, of course, and everyone should use their voice, but it's, I think you should pick your spots, call your shots and try to, if you're going to think about it, like, is what you're going to say going to hurt someone, someone's feelings? Is it actually going to change anything? And what does it make other people think about you (laughs) would be three things to consider maybe before writing the average the average thing you know what i mean because i think if people just turn the dial a little bit away from like they're complaining and they're criticizing of everything Uh they would find that there's like an actual happiness and a joy that comes in supporting and being part of something and experiencing the fandom and feeling that i always make fun of traditional sports like you know when like the whoever the new york mets or whatever Uh and people like if you have a mets hat on and you're walking down the street someone will be like did we win did we win and i always laugh like what the fuck do you have to do with it but on the other side of it in independent wrestling like it's that small the number of people who buy a ticket or buy a pay-per-view or a dvd it's that small that yeah we did win you know what i mean like because it's literally it's it's literally us versus them it's a little tiny pocket of people so i think there's a lot of people that are on the periphery who feel that like the internet gives them some sort of like fame or adulation for like complaining or being like this person is wrong this person is wrong this person is wrong right okay so what the fuck do you do like what's your thing you know what i mean like are you contributing okay so we got it you don't like a b c and d and it could be anything yeah but is that is that your complete contribution to wrestling? And now that you've said it, is it said and you can move on, or is it your defining? Is it your defining thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, I I'm glad you brought that up because I've I brought that up with several people about just the to- I don't want to say toxicity and I don't want to demean anybody, but just kind of the the landscape of independent wrestling social media or wrestling social media, I should put it. Sure, hundred percent. You're, you're just seeing this, like I mean, you're, you're seeing people rag on this, rag on that. It's like sometimes the people that are commenting on certain things are the people who don't even watch, which is the most mind-boggling thing. Uh, a, a million percent correct. And I just think, again, to look at it the other way, we have this unprecedented opportunity through the internet and Twitter and all these other things to connect with people, people we look up to, people we like, etc. Like when I was a kid, I would have to write a letter to a wrestler. I would have to find out an address, mail them a letter, send them a self-addressed envelope, hope they would send me a picture back yeah. or something. You know what I mean? 
mm-hmm. you had to take the time to like let them know like oh this is what you mean to me or whatever and that feeling when you got something back of like oh my god like this connection and that's through the mm-hmm. fucking mail and it sucks that but see that's the thing it's all perspective because i was gonna say it sucks that it ruins it now that there's more connection but it doesn't ruin it it's just that there's always people that will abuse it or not yeah work exactly. within kind of you know we have rules as a society as uh the man scout chick manning says so uh, yeah. i think it's like it's okay like a lot of people don't want to it becomes like oh you can't mute anyone or you can't block them then you're censoring them or whatever it's like no like if you don't want to read someone's bullshit all over your stuff like you you don't you're under no obligation you're, it's your choice so. it's your you know choice what I mean? exactly um I, I think that's really a good point because i mean we're, we're all living in this little globe or whatever you want to call it now of a planet we just got i mean we got to pick and choose our battles wisely and if and if we want to give it 100 percent, give it 100 percent, or just don't i mean we see we see too many clout chasers per se we're just yeah. doing it because it's trendy it's cool it's like yes there is cancel culture and i've said this to people but it's some people have made it entirely subjective on their own merit and it kind of takes away from what the goal is. Sure. And there's something about what I love is, okay, so when you go to a GCW show or whatever your favorite yeah. promotion is, when you go to the show and you get there and you feel this magic in the room and you see these people that you haven't seen in a long time and you just feel this excitement and there's all this good stuff that comes from that experience then it can't be wrong. Like that's, that's a magical thing that's happening. You know what I mean? And a lot of people don't ever get to experience that feeling for some, but it's only, it's like a self-created limitation. Like, you know what I mean? They don't ever feel that joy or happiness. They're somehow Mm -hmm. disconnected from everything. And it's just weird. Yeah. To me, I always think if you can do it better, do it. If uh, you know, that that's a great one if you can do it better do it please do it better exactly. show everyone how it's done because you might then realize in your attempt to do it that it's not quite as easy just like every everything else everything looks easier uh on the other side you know what i mean yeah i think that's really a great place to kind of bookmark it because i mean yeah like people they like to say what they want to say but show me what you can do show me what we can do better i mean i'll tell you this and this is kind of where the fuel for the fire for this podcast came, I saw too much criticism on death matches. I saw too much criticism on certain wrestling products. And I was like, if you're going to sit here and rag, what's the point? And I was in that same boat and I'm like, I'm going to do something better. I'm going to give a there voice you go. to those who want to hear this. I'm going to give a voice to those who are interested in this and give a different lens to what is going on so i think we both i think we both really understand that very well so um again and look at the diversity in your guests in the first few episodes you're already showcasing and highlighting totally different components of the world and by doing that in the introductory episodes you can go anywhere in the future you know what i mean exactly. you have the, all the doors are wide open from the start a wonderful blueprint has been made my friend thank you so much i appreciate it and Again, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy, eclectic schedule to sit down and chat with me or stand in your sense. Sure. Um, So, again, to everyone who's listening, 
OG Kevin Gill, everybody. Um, thank you again, OG. Uh, before we leave, I just want you to take the time to showcase your social medias, see, um, tell people where they can find you. The floor is yours. Sure. Well, thanks to everyone who's listened this far. Uh, please check out Game Changer Wrestling uh, this Saturday, March 6th on Fight TV. Um, I have merch and stuff available at dignifiedbastard.com. Also, some records that I've reissued and stuff like that over the years are available there. Plus, every week, um, myself and Kate Hensler drop a new episode of What's Good in Pro Wrestling on iTunes and everywhere else. So please check those out. Every Monday, me and Rob Funches get high and watch wrestling, 6.05 p.m. West Coast time. Uh, Middle Kingdom Wrestling, uh, directly from China. Once oh. a month, there's uh, MKW Ultraground, presented by your boy KG, and it's the best episodes from their uh, weekly TV series, oh. put in a monthly format with English commentary. Oh, wow. So those are all up on YouTube. Please check out Middle Kingdom Wrestling. Two episodes with me hosting and doing commentary, more to come, and a bunch of uh, Chinese language stuff on there. And what else? Underground Wrestling Alliance is doing a taping coming up as well in march but I, I guess just check out underground wrestling alliance on youtube and independent wrestling tv yeah and i have a pro wrestling tea store and of course social media og kevin gill and all that on instagram as well and i'm about to be relaunching my twitch i'm going to be doing some interviews on there and playing some video games so be sure to follow me subscribe to me whatever on twitch send me a shout on twitter or wherever if you heard this and thank you for supporting independent wrestling in, in any means uh, that you can, you know what I mean? And, and that, you know, buying a, a eight by 10 of a wrestler, a shirt of a wrestler, buying a ticket, buying a stream, whatever you can do to support the people that make it happen. Um, it's appreciated. And it, it makes sure that these events continue and these performers continue to thrive and survive doing what they love to do. So we all keep it moving. So let's all keep it moving. Perfect. That, that was a great way to end. As always, OG from OG Kevin Gill, Lauren, I just want to say thank you guys for listening to this episode of Your Dose of Death. Thank you and good night. This has been a Count Out Podcast.